We talked this morning in the message, and we uh, talked to you about the potential and the opportunities that God has given you. We said that every person has a call. We took a few moments, and we asked a question of the congregation this morning. How many of you are naturally obedient? The majority of those that were present, some were you. You said, I'm not naturally obedient. Then we asked the question, how many of you are naturally obedient? And about 10 people raised their hand. I said this, how does God deal with us then? If we're not naturally obedient, how does God get us to participate? How does he get us to... How does he get us to do what he desires for us to do? If, in fact, there is a call of God on all of our lives, and I believe and we believe that there is, how do we, how do we pursue that call? How do, we, how do we make that call happen? How do we say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? And we, we live that out. Well, I want you to know that unless someone presses us, Unless someone gives us a reason and motivates us properly, we love our comfort zone. You agree or disagree? We love having enough, being able to make it. And if you don't mind, I'm doing really well. But in the economy of God, if you understand that there is a clock that is ticking and it is the clock of all eternity that one day it's all going to be over and a trumpet is going to sound, you must ask yourself the question, do I have the liberty to cruise? Do I have the liberty liberty of living a a half-obedient life? Do I get to pick and choose? And the reality is we try to stay away from that confrontational reality. Because number one, we like our comfort. But there is no one that we respect in the Bible, not one, who made their mark that we look at and say, wow, what a phenomenal person they are. Not one of them had the privilege of living a comfortable life. What is a comfortable life? I mean, one that's never challenged. One that never says, I need to get closer. I need to gain ground. I need to make more progress. One of the saddest moments, in my opinion, for any person is to realize that they have lived their entire life. Think about that. Their entire life. And that life has been spent in vain. They focused on the wrong things and and did not major on the major things that related to the will of God, the work of God. You see, we know that individuals have often leave no positive influence. They're not helping anyone else build their dream. They're busy pursuing their dream and instead of helping maybe someone else help their dream. And the commentary for a person that lives their life and makes no progress, the epitaph could be, he failed. Is it possible to fail? And the answer is, yes. If we fail to succeed in contributing, here it is, to the goal set before us, then we are self-serving. And we said this morning, if God has a call, and if in fact the Lord has given a purpose and 
their expectations that God has, and, and we fail to pursue them because we're not the most obedient people, then the reality is we will more apt to fail and not reach God's potential than we will to reach God's potential. We look at this, and we have before us the parable that's told by Jesus. And it's the parable in Matthew's gospel, chapter 25. And you know, there were three individuals, they're called servants. Two of them reproduced double what they had received, and, and one hid his talent, and he failed. He did not reproduce. He did not, he did not pay attention. He he was not obedient. He hid the talent. And here's what the Bible says. Judgment fell on the unproductive servant. At the end of his life, his epitaph read, he failed. Now, here's what happens. That failure comes with a consequence. Not doing the will of God comes with consequence. Do you believe that? So here's the consequence found in Matthew 25, and throw that worthless adjective, worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the assignment of your failure, and often you never know that you fail until you're confronted. Well, throw him out. He's worthless. Our text shares the value of allowing the seeds that God has blessed you with, and all of us have seed in our life planted there by God. We want to hear God say, well done, thou good what? Thou good what? Thou good and faithful, good and faithful servant. Well done. Is that what we all want to hear? That will not happen automatically. More things than you can imagine will get in your way to keep you from being that good and faithful servant. Our text deals usually about salvation and the receptivity of the Word of God. But God, of course, through Jesus, gave Jesus gave parables. And this is the parable of the farmer trying to plant seed in his field. We already had a lesson by one major politician in the last week or so on how to plant seed out on the farm. Jesus taught in parables. Why did he do that? Now, if you try to talk to your little student, your elementary student, how many of you know that you usually try to teach them on their level of understanding? Amen? You teach them on their level of understanding. Well, here's Matthew's gospel, Matthew 13, verse 15, out of the message version. And it says, it says, God speaking to those of us here and those listening online and those who read that gospel, he says, your ears are open. He says, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. The people are blockheads. They stick their finger in their ears so they won't have to listen they screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look. 
so they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. And therein is what happens when there are those that will not hear the gospel, when there are those that don't want any part of the church, when there are those that look and say, hey, I'm not going to get engaged in that. It's not what I want. Close their eyes, close their ears. And what does he say he wants to do? It says, if you'll open your eyes and open your ears, what I have to say will bring healing to your spirit. But God, I don't want to be healed. How many women believe that sometimes when men are sick, they milk it for all it's worth? May I see your hand? How many women believe that? How are you doing today, sweetheart? I'm just so out there. Oh, man, I know I got to get up and go to work. Just got to do it. You know what he wants to hear you say? No, you can't go to work, darling. Lay on down. I want to take care of you one more day. I'm going to give you your foot massage now. I know that that helps you. That'll make any man get sicker. <laughs> so here we are. Why is it that people have a problem falling in love and being obedient? Stubbornness which is a hard heart. Are you ready for this? Matthew 13, verse, verse 4, And he was scattering the seeds. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. The state of the heart, this is the most difficult position of any to be in. Why? They are closed-minded. Closed-minded. Someone I, I read the other day, their statement, A, I'm willing to reason together, but once I make my mind up about the issue, I don't care what you say. I am closed-minded, and that's it. No more facts, no more reasoning. I am done. When you close your mind to what God is calling you to do or the Spirit of God, you're in trouble. They predetermine that they're not interested. Who needs God? Who needs the church? They see no danger in their position. Well, here is the danger. In Proverbs, we find 29 verse 1, a man who remains stiff-necked. How many know what that is? Stiff-necked. Then he says, after many rebukes, will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. So he says, you just keep on maintaining that hardened state and stiff neck, and you don't pay attention to conviction, and you don't pay attention to teaching, and you don't pay attention to the loving hands trying to reach out to you. He said, here's what will happen. Suddenly, you will be destroyed. No doubt about it. Take the worthless servant and throw him into the outer darkness. A little boy, of course, he might have been six years of age. Mommy told him, sit down, son. Sit down. No. Sweetheart, darling, sit down. Mommy wants you to sit down. No. Please, sweetheart, sit down. No, and you can't make me. And then the anointing comes upon mommy. <laughs> and she walks over and puts her shoulders, her hands on his shoulders, and says, I said, sit down. Anybody got the picture? And he says, you might make me sit down. But inside, I'm still standing up. 
You say, how, how elementary is that? That's like many people as it relates to the divine will of God. What happens to these people who have that hard heart? Number one, they're easily misled. Proverbs says, blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. You can't tell that person anything. You can't give them correction. You can't teach them. Second thing, they are doomed for failure. That's what the Bible says. Paul writes, Romans 2, 5, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepent heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Take that servant, put him in the outer darkness. You might think as it relates to salvation that this person might be an agnostic. But what about a believer? Is it possible that a believer is hard-hearted toward the divine and perfect will of God or ministry involvement in the church or giving up proper stewardship. Here's what Hebrews 3, 13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by what? Sin's deceitfulness. What hardens your heart? Sin's deceitfulness. Number two, superficiality. This is a person that boy, the person that is hard, and I have some people on my prayer list that are on the hard-hearted list. And I often tell Sharon, they scare me. Their behavior and their action is not coming straight at you, but it scares me that no matter what you do, they're not going to give in to what the Holy Spirit, and may I say this to you, some of them at one time were raised in the church and exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't want anything to do. Superficiality, the emotional heart. Matthew 13, 5, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. This heart is shallow and it is emotional. In Italy and Spain, there are some aqueducts that carry water historically and many years gone by. It would carry waters to many of those parched cities and they welcome the water to come. In that illustration, the water represented to us the Word of God. We have the Word of God. It comes in that aqueduct called the power of the Holy Spirit. But the reality is, and we understand, I know the Word of God. But in their life, there was no understanding to be able to receive the person of Jesus Christ. So this, this individual may have Bible knowledge, but there is no one-on-one -on -one experience with the Redeemer, with the Son of the living God. I can quote the Word. I know the Word, but I've never humbled myself to receive the love of Jesus Christ. Well, the solid Christian is one who understands the Word, but also has that wonderful experience of redemption that Jesus Christ is Lord in their life. Or you can say, I've got, that, I've got that redemptive part. I've got that part of receptivity under God, but you don't know the Word of God. You're in danger. 
every flaming evangelist that comes along will swoop you up for a hundred bucks. And there are those. They're also easily led, spiritually immature, no deep convictions. Led by feeling, by the word of truth, have no deep roots and roam around, roam around the church world. I've told you about a man that, that came to faith under my ministry when I, I first started. He was a great, great individual, never been in church much. But in the church, there was also a gal, beautiful woman, young woman. Her husband was in the Air Force. Well, I, I began to watch and I began to pay attention. And little by little, I saw in the church that if there was a time of prayer, he was over there joining her hands, praying for her. And I thought, okay, there you are. Some of you sisters get over there and pray for her. And then I saw it and saw it, and I came to him, and I, I said, listen to me. I'm a little bit concerned because I know you haven't been in the church, and you don't understand. Oh, pastor, I, you think I was not in, but I was raised in church. I said, well, let me ask you this question. Why, why is it that you don't pray for anyone else? You're over there praying for her. Pastor, you don't understand. Her husband is in the Air Force. He's gone for a year and a half. She's lonely. She needs prayer. God spoke to me and assigned me to pray for her. Pastor, you don't understand. When I go to her house, he said the most wonderful communion of the Holy Spirit comes down. You don't understand what I feel when I'm there praying with her. I'm thinking... I never thought I would meet a nut like you. <laughs> never. Never. I said, you are wrong. That's wrong behavior. You say, oh, but the Holy Spirit comes. God doesn't bless that. But he thought it was true. Then I went to her. And she said, Pastor, I'm, I'm out for all the prayer that I can get. I said, well, let me ask you this question. Do you mind if I call your husband and talk to him? These people choose not to get connected to church or ministry. They, they drift with the latest fad and desire to eat and be nurtured without making any kind of commitment to build the body of the church up. How sad is that? You see, here's what it says. Paul writes, I don't want you to be infants anymore. I don't want you to be immature. I want you to pay attention to the authority. I, I don't want you to be tossed back into and blown by every wave that takes place. This type of person will spend their life receiving, receiving, doing what they want to do, engaging in what they want to do, but they will never, never, ever, ever build the kingdom of God to do what God wants to do. When we stand in the presence of God, God will judge us by our works, by our works. Verse 6 of James 1 says, 
But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. This person will show up at every dinner on the ground you have, but won't support the mission or the building program and pay their tithe at all. Number three, they're double-minded. How many of you know a double-minded person? Well, how many know someone's lost their mind? Double-minded. How many of you couples go out to eat once in a while? How do you decide where you want to go eat? How do you decide? Sharon accuses me when I say to her, where do you want to go to eat, darling? She'll say, I don't know where you want to go. No, where, where do you want to go? I just pull over to the side of the road, put the car in park, or hit a parking lot. What are you doing? I said, I'm going to ask you again. Where do you want to go to eat? She will tell me a suggestion or two. I will say, well, that's good. But have you thought about this one and 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 this one? I don't like those. She said, you do this every time. My reply is, I never want to disappoint you. Double-mindedness. Matthew 13, 7, other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Pay attention to this one now. This, this field starts out really good. There's plenty of potential. And because of the lack of focus and accountability, other interests choke away at the harvest. And this type of person is like Demas, who was a disciple of the apostle Paul. He fell away because he fell in, lo- in love with the present world. The present world. He liked his comfort. He enjoyed it. Now, many people won't come to faith and dive all the way in because they're pretty well in love with their world. They're in love with what they enjoy doing, where they want to go with what they want to do. And Luke 14, 33 says, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything, he can't be my disciple. So he says, hey, this double-minded person, make up your mind Make up your mind, make up your mind if you're going to be in or what? Out. Make it up. Where you been? Oh, pastor, you wouldn't believe it. We've been sick. I know it's been about three or four months. We've been sick, and then we had to travel. And then, pastor, we just got lazy and... Oh, but we watch you online. Listen, friend, make your mind up. If you're going to serve God, let me just tell you straight up and down. 
If you're going to serve God, you're going to serve your church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bum, 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 bum. Aren't you? Don't you think? Hello, help me now. Don't you think? We got, we got, hey, I'm in or I'm out. I'm not double-minded. You see, if we don't, if you don't, if we don't manage our own spirit life, the love of the world is going to creep in on you. There will always be something. You become lukewarm. You have no zeal. You lose passion. Other interests take priority. You drift away from spiritual accountability. No one ought to have to police anybody else to stay true to the commitment they've made to the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody would say, hey, I'm in. You can count on me. A lot of good things, a lot of good things can take the place of godly things. Martha was distracted. She's busy cleaning the house, washing the dishes, and all that goes with it. And Jesus sitting over there, and Mary is ministering to him. And Jesus told her, hey, you're busy with doing all those things. Those are all good things, but they're not the godly thing. That's not the godly thing, finally. Stability. That's the good heart. That's the good heart. Do you know the morning of the week, in my opinion, where it's most difficult to get out of bed. What morning do you think that is? I'm saying Sunday morning. The morning that is going to rain a little bit and the wind is going to blow and there's a chill in the air, it will be Sunday morning. How are you doing? It's that heart that is stable. Still love the seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 160 or 30. What was sown? He who has ear, let him hear. This man, pay attention to him, he says. This is the fertile field. It's God, whatever you desire for me to do. The other three fields all had one characteristic. They all failed to produce a consistent harvest. It's easy in this present world to become hard-hearted and calloused. It's easy to become, I just don't want to dive all in at the church. It's easy to become fake and superficial and shallow. We become emotional and do not take time to discipline our spirit lives and everybody who's got something to say, they're here and there and, and everywhere. It's easy to become preoccupied with interest and try to please self and not God. It's real easy. It's real easy. We become double-minded and unstable in our ways and all of the above, we failed at the end, end of their lives. There's nothing of those first that became significant in their lives. But the one who made their mind up, the one who was willing 
to stand in the fray, the one who was willing to stand in the gap, the one that was willing to say, look what you've done for me. You have my heart in my life. This seed fell on good ground. And that heart is receptive to the gospel. It's receptive to a new challenge from God. It's, it's prepared to create an atmosphere to motivate others. It gives out of its own resources to someone else. It's willing to be cultivated in order to bring forth a better harvest. As a matter of fact, the psalmist wrote in Psalms 1-3, that person is like a mighty tree planted by streams of water. It yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. Whatever it does prospers. The best life in the world is the life that is committed to Jesus. The third man failed to take advantage of the opportunity that God gave him, double-mindedness. But this fourth man, this individual found the soil that the field was fertile and he planted his harvest. I don't resent the church. I don't resent having to go to church. I don't resent paying my tithe. I don't resent doing devotions. I don't, I don't resent any of that. As a matter of fact, I choose to be joy and full of joy and happiness. I am. I don't care if you do it the way I think you ought to do it, as long as God gets the glory. Somebody say amen. I want to be positive in my productivity. I told you this morning, I don't have a bucket list. Somebody said, and I'm sure I'll get an email that said, you ought to have a bucket list. Well, you know, I, I don't give two liver lips, to be honest with you. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up, and I'm going to live my life to the fullest, and if something comes my way that I want to do in the name of Jesus, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do it in his name. Amen? I'm not intending to miss anything. You're looking at the happiest man alive. Somebody, I make my own fun. And you're productive. Had a preacher say the other day, man, the ministry wouldn't be so bad if it weren't for the people. I thought if you were on my staff and I heard you, I would fire you right now. Fire you. Matter of fact, I wanted to pull out my sheriff's chaplain badge and fire him right then and there on the authority of Grady Judd. By the way, pray for Grady Judd. He lost his father. He slipped into eternity, so I uh, communicated with him today. Pray for him. I want to be an example of a willing heart that's anxious to do God's will and willing to be benevolent. I want to make someone else's dream come true. I want to prod you along. I want to do it in love. I want to do it in humor. But I want to do it. I want everybody here. When I look back at the back, about four rows from the back, there's old Robbie back there. Robbie, wave your hand. Most people can't see. But that's about as far to the front as he's going to come. <laughs> and they drive from South Lakeland. Is that correct? But when you look, 
you're going to see Robbie and his family. And when there's an offering taking, you're going to see Robbie there. And when I say I got businessmen in the church that will help pitch in, Robbie's going to come and chase me down and say, I'm in, Pastor. The Dream Center needs flooring. I'm in, Pastor. I'm there. Do you know how many times I've gone out to dinner with him? How many, Robbie? None. He's not willing to pay for where I want to go. What I'm trying to tell you is, what I'm trying to tell you is this. It's in his heart. It's in his wife's heart to say, hey, I'm all in. I'm going to plant my seeds in the soil that the harvest is going to come. Amen? It's just the way that it is. Be that kind of person. Enjoy your life. And then for people who do not yet say, we know why they don't. Their heart is hardened. And what do we do? We love, 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 love. Keep them on the prayer list. Fast, fast, fast. Because one day they will make the move to come to Jesus Christ. Would you stand? Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Can we, can we do that? Amen. That's about pitiful as I ever heard. Thank you, Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. In Jesus. In Jesus. I love you in Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this moment together. I thank you because I feel like we've been challenged and some of it's been fun and good, and, but some of it's been straight ahead, just right in the middle of our heart. But we all have decisions that we need to make because the reality is all of us can identify with any one of these individuals that we've been talking about. Sometimes, sometimes we're stubborn. Yep, and sometimes we're a little bit double-minded. Sometimes we're a little emotional and, and God don't pay attention to the rigor of what it means to grow. Grow track. Get involved in grow track. What a great tool. Yeah, but I know that's, that's that, yeah, you grow in your spiritual man. Engage by the grace of God. Get in a small group. Yeah, but I know, but that, yeah, that encourages somebody else because of your presence. And then the person who says, God, I could not make it without you. Whatever is there, I'm in. I'm going to salute, I'm going to pay attention, and I'm going to say, yes, sir. Because I believe that you'll use my life. And I won't live my life at the end of the day hearing that I failed. I'm going to hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. There are many, many rewards just for you. You might be here tonight and your heart's out of whack. You might be broken. You might be filled with sin. You might be arrogant. You just have been stubborn. But you're watching online or you're in this room under the sound of my voice or you're watching later by seeing this particular service. Well, humble your heart. Let God speak to you. Give him everything you have. 
And let's repeat this prayer together so that we get the level, playing ground level. Can we do that, Heavenly Father? Heavenly Father. We come in Jesus' name. We come in Jesus' name. Jesus, I confess. Jesus, I confess. Forgive me. Forgive me. I need forgiveness. I confess all my sins. I, confess all my I believe sins. by faith. I, believe by faith. I, am I am forgiven. I am sincere, I am sincere in, my heart of hearts. in my heart of hearts. So Lord Jesus, so Lord Jesus receive, me now, receive me now just as I am, just as I am. For, your honor and glory. for your honor and glory. In Christ's name, Christ's name. Amen. amen. Here's what I'm going to do. If you need prayer, altar workers are here. And you know whether you need prayer. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't discount what God might be speaking to you to do. There's some of you that's going to go to the FLC in room number 116. Room 116 over there. You want to go? Then we want you there. We want to greet you. We want to meet you. And they have food over there. I don't know what it is. Totally. I think it's a vegetarian taco or something like that. But it doesn't matter what it is, does it? You want to be there? Be there. Not for the food, but for the fellowship. And they told me I'm supposed to pray over that food now. All right? <laughs> Father, in your name, I pray the fellowship over there will be sweet. I pray all the people that's going to that, you'll give them a great time and let us wrap our arms around one another and say, thank you, Jesus. And for the chicken tacos and whatever it is they're serving, bless that too. Bless the sweet tea. Bless the desserts. And God, let it be a great evening and a great memory. And the rest who's chosen not to go there, wherever it is that they go, bless that too in Jesus' name. Amen. They're going to worship. You want prayer, you come. The rest, we're headed over to 116. God bless you.
So oh. 